Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. It's another bonus episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to another for the second week in a row, bonus podcast from us here at Driven Chat. My name is John Markar. I am one of your hosts alongside the usual trio uh, made up by my friends Andy J and Amy Shaw. Now, this week we are bringing you another one of these radio show highlights, but all from the same show. A big thank you to everyone that tuned in to last week's bonus podcast and thank you to Everyone, for the amazing feedback as well that we've already received from this week's usual Monday morning outlet with Miles Lacey. We really have received quite an overwhelming response to that. So thank you so much for everyone that's taken the time to drop us a message or send us uh, an email or even just a comment on Instagram or any of the social feeds. Everything. We see it all and it means the world to us. Now, today we are bringing you, as I say, another one of these bonus episodes that's from the radio show. And the reason that we're doing this one is because, well, it's it's a pretty crucial one. If you missed last weekend's radio show, it was a show that Andy conducted with Mike Brewer and Mark Elvis Priestley. And the focus of that show was, of course, the new season of Wheeler Dealers. It's back. It's now back in the UK, whereas it has been in the US for the past few years. And to celebrate that launch, to celebrate the new series... Andy went down to the Wheeler Dealers studio to talk with Mike and Mark, who we're now calling Elvis, because that is his new name, and recorded what you're about to hear. So, I'm not going to say anything more, because I don't think I need to. I'm going to pass you over now to the voices of Andy J, Mike Brewer, Mark Elvis Priestley, and the special from our radio show, all about Wheeler Dealers. Stay tuned to the end for some parish notes. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hey, welcome to Driven Chat here on Talk Radio. I'm Andy Jay, and I'm very pleased to tell you that I'm not sitting in the truck at Caffeine and Machine like we usually do. I'm not pleased about that because I love it there, but I'm pleased to tell you that we are somewhere extra special this week. One other piece of slightly disappointing news, there's no John Markar or Amy Shaw this week. However, they are on site right now at Caffeine and Machine recording a very special podcast that you can download tomorrow, the Driven Chat podcast. Who could we possibly replace John and Amy with? Well, there's only two names that spring to mind, and they happen to be... oh. Legends. Mike Brewer, who you know, of course, the Wheeler Dealer himself, and a man who is known by many names, 
Most commonly is Mark Priestley, but many people call him Elvis. He is, of course, the new mechanic on Wheeler Dealers, and we are here. Where, Mike, where are we? We are at uh, Wheeler Dealers. We're at HQ, uh, and it's very, very nice to have you down here, Randy. It really is. Absolutely chuffed to be here. This was a very last-minute decision, wasn't it? It was kind of like, shall we just do it? Shall we? Because the new show's out. Shall we, shall we get on it? Yeah, and we haven't had a chance, me and Elvis, to show off our shop you know, to people like you, our mates, and we wanted to bring you down here, show you where we work. When we're talking to you, I'm talking to you on a weekly basis when we're doing a radio show, uh, and I'm saying, yeah, when we was in the shop today, you know, Elvis was doing this on the car, or, you know, this story relates to something that we've got going on in the workshop. Now you can see what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. And I've got to say, I mean, we're going to have a proper deep dive into Wheeler Dealers and where we are in the second part of the show, because we're going to do some news and stuff beforehand. But I'm a little worried, just looking over your shoulder, Mike, that this visit for me is going to end up being quite expensive. Well, it could be if, <laughs> yeah. the, if, the, if I hear the word, Mike, Porsche, shall I buy a Porsche coming out of your lips one more time, Andy J. <laughs> talking of which... Let's get the chaps to bring around a 924, get it on the yeah. ramp, because I will have a customer for to it. To be this honest, Danny, you'll this do well to get out of here with your wallet still intact. <laughs> <laughs> you are in my lair. This is my subterranean closing room. So something might be happening by the time you leave. Do you know, if it's funny, now that you've said it, I now feel a sense of presence. Pressure, because there's closing no windows. This is my subterranean closing room. Deliberately, it's got no windows. I turn the air conditioning off in here, make sure that it's really... Difficult to be in this room. <laughs> the only way out of here is with a card, a credits card. Well, we've we've got an hour, and I've got a couple, a couple of cards that might fault, so we'll see how we get on. We're going to talk properly about the series in a moment, but just first, before we get into our news and stuff, Mark, you can tell us. Should I call you Mark or, or Elvis on this? I mean, show? I can't Elvis, tell. go Elvis. Go Most Elvis. people do. Yeah. All right, fine. Yeah. fine. That's so unfamiliar for me because we're used to kind of hosting things together where Bit you have formal. to be Mark. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and we have to wear suits and stuff. Anyway, that's good. Elvis it is. So Elvis, when is the new show out? Because the reason why we're doing this right now is it's incredibly soon if people haven't already tucked in. Well, that's the point. You can actually tuck in right now. So they've had an exclusive release on uh, Discovery Plus. So you can download the first episode right now. Brilliant. And I highly recommend people go and do it. And then beyond that, it will be on the Discovery Channel every Monday evening from 9pm uh, starting next week. So Amazing. Really is it Discovery excited. or is it Quest? Discovery. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. Look at that, Mike's just nodding. With I'm like, just yeah. nodding because I'm thinking, oh, those poor people on Quest will have to wait three years. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to say, you go to Quest now and it's, it's basically all Wheeler Dealers classics I anyway. I know, <laughs> but people just, you know, they've seen every repeat a thousand times over. Uh, and those poor people on Quest are going to have to wait a little bit longer. Or just do the right thing and buy a Discovery Plus subscription. They're only a few quid a month and uh, you just have it online. You can watch it online whenever you like then. See, he's selling already. There it is. <laughs> but I can see why. Right, listen, proper chat about the show on the way. But first, when I arrived... OK, now, so I think it's important we paint the picture for those of you that aren't aware of Elvis's background. Let's, let's be fair, Elvis. You are the reason why Lewis Hamilton is such a success. Entirely. It's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's all down to, yeah. to Elvis. <laughs> it's, it's only him. That's the only reason. Yeah. No, come on, put some meat on those bones for So uh, I'll be slightly more modest than that, but I did work with Lewis, and so my background is in Formula One as a mechanic. Uh, that's the mechanical background where it all started. But my, I guess the peak or the highlight of that experience was working at the McLaren team for 10 years in F1 as part of the pit crew, part of the pit stop crew. And um, the culmination of that really was was taking or helping Lewis Hamilton to his first world championship in 2008. It was an amazing experience. Now, let's just talk about that, right? Because obviously, when you're at that level already, you're already elite. You're aware of how kind of massive a gig it is, the eyes of the world on you the whole time and so on. But when you have a driver who wins the championship, and we all know in Formula One, there's the driving excellence, but you've got to give them the vehicle to do it too. What do you personally get as a championship winning you mean in my pocket? I mean, that's I mean, what you're getting. I mean, at, not it? necessarily, but yes. Well, you're talking about the enormous sense of well-being that I got. No, I'm not fussed okay, about no, the sense right. of well-being. I want to know if Lewis walked in the garage and dished you out a Rolex. Like, uh, did he do that to all the teammates? And he didn't. But Lewis, uh, we're still waiting. Uh, if you're listening, <laughs> he if he's did. listening, he did. Think it'd be the least I think he could Michael do. Michael Schumacher did, didn't he? Didn't he, he go around? Sure he did do that a few he, years he ago. He went and bought Senna, everyone. I, Senna. This is a, one of those wild pit lane rumours, but Senna apparently paid off the mortgages of his own mechanics when he won the championship. How about that? 
Blimey. And, you, and I believe you'd moved house three days before. Uh, yeah, still waiting. <laughs> well, there you go. No, we were, I'm never going to complain because, uh, yes, we were, we did very well financially, compensated by the team, you're all on bonuses. So, so you we did, did get extra well. money for the, Absolutely, for the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, you know, I would have genuinely done it without that because it was, it was literally a life dream that came true in that moment, as it was for Lewis when he won his first championship. Same for me. To be fair, you don't see the kind of the Olympic medalists crossing the line, getting their gold medal, getting the top step, thinking, oh, I wonder how many more endorsement deals I can get, <laughs> do you? It is, it's that peak rush of joy. Yeah, totally. Everything it's an amazing. For. I mean, it's, it's an indescribably difficult thing to achieve, winning a world championship. And anyone who remembers the way that it happened in 2008, we won it, kind of won it on the last corner of the last lap of the last race of the season yeah. in the most amazing circumstances. So the roller coaster of emotions... And then to finally tick the box was just incredible. It is, it is something. I suppose the question is, is not what Lewis bought you, but what did you lot go and buy Yarno truly? <laughs> yeah. uh, because it was Yarno that sort of gifted the championship at that uh, moment. No, it wasn't, was it? It was Timo Glock. Timo Glock. Timo, Timo. Yes. Yeah, in yeah. the Toyota. That's right. And I actually, I've worked with him recently and uh, and I did give him a great big hug to say thank yes, you. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> He's just just yes, what he wanted. Thank you for that because you <laughs> nearly paid off my mortgage yeah, but yeah. the driver didn't come through. Exactly. Have you, have you got a Timo tattoo? I feel like you should. <laughs> <laughs> it would only seem right, yeah, wouldn't it? But it really go amazing, big or go home. Amazing time. Yeah. But no trinkets though. That was the point I was making. You know, you don't no. get a, a replica mini trophy no, or a key rig or something. No, and actually some teams have now do do that. So Mercedes, I think, do that with their team. But back then, you know, it's like a Super Bowl ring. You feel like yeah. you should have something. Yeah. But no, didn't get any of that. But uh, the memories will be there forevermore. And that's oh, enough that's, for me. Well, he's, Michael he's, Schumacher, he's saying that through gritted teeth, Mike. Michael Schumacher <laughs> bought me a Solero ice cream. So I think I've got actually more of a Formula One gifting career than Elvis. I spent Quite. 10 years in the... And the cold face of Formula One. <laughs> he right. didn't get a Solero ice cream Too right. from well, a driver. <laughs> I did. Well, do you know what? I once chucked a Bacardi and Coke in Michael Schumacher's face. So he's never going to buy yes, me a no, Solero. No, you did do that. <laughs> I remember the story. Okay, we need a bit of meat on these bones. Oh, it's, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. I've hammed it up already, but it was at a party where he was already <laughs> well, very... fell over and he, he was, was in the way. very, very drunk and chucking water and stuff in his own face. And I thought, I'm getting in on that bandwagon. There's one to tell the kids. And so I launched my Bacardi and Coke in his face. Not even sure he noticed. Wow. The fact that he didn't notice makes it even better yeah. for me. Did he not rip your jean pocket off you? Or did you not he rip did. your jean? Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, I've had a few scrap. I mean, look, you need to read my book. <laughs> what yes. can I say? That's true. That's true. Well, we were we were getting to the plug, Mike, weren't we? That <laughs> yes, was, we were. The that mechanic. Was, that was building up. The mechanic, which has now been out for such a long time. It's, yeah. You clearly need, and that is Mark Priestley, not Elvis, incidentally. Mark Elvis Priestley. Mark Elvis so Priestley, covers, yeah. I've covered both bases. You've, you've covered yourself nicely. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that needs a re-release, doesn't it? It's... It, you need yeah. to, a couple of updated chapters. Or the stories that I kept behind for the retirement book that I could never publish at any moment when I'm still working. There's a book there somewhere that will come out one day. I didn't get a promise ring by, by Mark <laughs> yeah. Elvis Priestley. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> he didn't pay my mortgage. It's the litigation tour from Elvis because he, he has to wait for all these drivers to be retired and not have any lawyers around them so That's he it. can tell the real stories Absolutely right. <laughs> now speaking of right i know we're a car show but let's talk about some fast cars for a couple of moments because it's not every day we have an f1 legend on the show <laughs> there was obviously all right let's be fair last weekend's f1 race at spa wasn't a race it was ridiculous yeah. What on earth's going on? Well, it was a yeah, it was a slight stretch to call it a Grand Prix, wasn't it? Really, because it, it was it wasn't um, a Grand Prix. It was like a a exactly. safety car lap. Exactly, and like, I think um, most people can read between the lines. We did two laps essentially behind the safety car to tick a box that essentially means that they everyone fulfills their contractual obligations and call it an event, which. It means everyone gets paid. It means that broadcasters have to pay F1. It means that promoters have to do their thing and F1 pays the team. So the money starts flowing around. The people who've lost out here, of course, are the paying fans who were sat yeah. in that stand for hours on hours getting wet and saw no action. And it's them that I think, rightly, people are now starting to feel very you know, sorry for. Well, this is a massive thing. And I think the thing is, even if the right thing happens and they get refunds for their tickets... What about the lost weekend? What about yeah. all the planning, the accommodation, the petrol, the hassle, the stress? How well, do you refund that? Flights I mean, and everything. And it's a yeah. huge undertaking, isn't it? And it's it's not even just the fans, but, you know, marshals gave up their weekends for free, you know, to the sacrifice of, of family plans or whatever else they had to do. They didn't get paid. Um, you know, they're going to go away. And if that weekend is, is just the washout that it is, they also lose out. Maybe not financially, but they've still lost out. And I don't know. I think it's a, F1 didn't 
cover itself in glory this weekend. Of course, the weather was the thing that actually ruined the weekend. But unless these fans kind of get their money back or get compensated in some way, it does look like a bit of a money grabbing uh, show from, uh, you know, from this huge organisation that is F1. Uh, and I hope they do the right thing afterwards. Do you know, they've got an opportunity to do actually to, to really score a goal here. You know, they could they could actually not just compensate the people that went and the marshals and so on. They could make a bit of a stunt of it. They could do a charity thing. They could they could bring out some cool merch. You know, the wet one. I was at the wet one. <laughs> like, for example, do you remember the Pink Floyd gig many moons ago where part of the, the stand collapsed yeah. and there were fans on it yeah. and they had to stop yeah. the gig my aunt and uncle were on that stand that yeah. collapsed and they got sent a load of specialist merch after yeah. the fact that sort of marked them out as being the guys that were there you know the special artwork because yeah. pink floyd was amazing yeah, with their yeah. artwork and so yeah. on they could do something like that with yeah, f1 they could. couldn't they good idea yeah it, 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 i agree with everything you're saying but there's the other side of me being the older and wiser person sit among sat amongst us uh that's saying if it was Definitely the fa older. cup final <laughs> if it was the fa cup final and got abandoned because it was raining, or Wimbledon final that got abandoned because it was raining. They, they wouldn't. Nobody would be pointing the finger. No, at but Wimbledon abandoning saying, it is just, one thing. If they'd abandoned it, I don't think people would have too much complaint. Right, it was the fact that they did a farcical a couple of laps, yeah, just to fulfil a contractual and then obligation. Gave points for that, yeah, you and know, then the, gave points. Yeah, it, it, it would be like you know, it's the equivalent, Mike, of everyone showing up to Wembley. You know, the captain of one of the teams falling over in the first second mm. because it's a bit wet. So the other teams allowed a penalty and, and that's it. We'll just, that's it. We'll finish now. Yeah, we'll finish now. It's yeah, nothing. I get it. It's not right. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it is a tough one and it is a tough one for F1. They haven't painted themselves in glory, as, as Elvis says, but, um, you know, F1 will always win. I think at the end of the day, they'll put on a, a great show next time round. And I've got a funny feeling, as you say, they'll do the right thing by the fans. I can see them, you know, because there's a lot of pressure being put on them from drivers like Lewis, who's very vocally saying, give them a refund, make sure they get their money back. He, he wants to pay their mortgages, I believe. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. No, maybe yeah, well, not. He's got one to pay before. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he didn't do that. I think I'm yeah, going to remember I mean, that I, forever. I don't love that so much. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, before we jump to the break, we should have some car news. Now, obviously, being the end of August, the start of September, the, the kind of August, basically, the, the car world shuts down for a bit, doesn't it, Mike? It basically has a month off. So there's not a huge amount of news. But again, tapping into your credentials as a mechanic, as an engineer, I did want to bring the fascinating carbon fiber wheels that Bentley have brought Bentley, out. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to, what is it? 22 inch, 22 inch. They are, I think, I think they're the biggest production carbon fiber rim ever. Yeah. I mean, they're huge, enormous things made out of carbon fiber, or they're certainly the biggest composite rim. So it's an incredible engineering achievement because you can imagine the forces, particically on a Bentayga. That's a huge, it's a big, lump. heavy thing. The forces Which can shift, incidentally, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the forces that are being put through this carbon fiber piece is is enormous, um, and you know they cannot have a risk of any failure. So they've been working on these things for years now, trying to develop the the right structures in the layup of the carbon, the sort of um, high pressure uh, resin that, that has to put the whole the whole lot together. So the design is not something that's been thrown together. It's a long, it's been a long time coming. They've tried and failed and tried and failed. Eventually, they say they've now cracked it. Uh, hopefully, not literally cracked yeah, it, but they've. It's what you don't want. They've got it sussed, and uh, and I think it's a, a thing of beauty. It does look good. I'm still a little nervous about it, Mike. Can, I mean, we can trust Bentley, of well, course. Yeah, I mean, look, you could buy a set of normal wheels and go and get a hydro dip to make them look like carbon fibre, which a lot <laughs> of people actually do, and they will be strong and they will survive. Um, the only point of making wheels carbon fibre, particularly that size of wheel, is to make them lighter. Yeah. You know, one of the heaviest things on the car are wheels and calipers and braking systems and discs. The four corners of the car are really heavy weights on the car. So if you can lighten up the corners, it will improve performance and make the handling a lot better. However, with these wheels, uh, the 22 inch wheels, to get them into the wheel arch, you then have to run them on an elastic band of a, of a <laughs> yes. P0 tire, yeah. which means that you are likely to then compromise the ride. So as much as you've got these huge, great big flash wheels, which no doubt, Elvis, Bentley are going to extract tens of thousands of pounds oh, yeah. on your credit card uh, to have those bolted to your Bentayga. Uh, you're then going to compromise the ride and go rattling down the road and your fillings, your gold platinum fillings are going to fall out your teeth. So you can go a bit faster, but it's going to hurt a bit. It will. It <laughs> yeah. will. But you can pull into the golf club car park 
uh, and pull up next to another executive and say, look at my wills. They're for, that reason, for that reason, they will sell them all. Of course they will. <laughs> I've probably already sold out till next Christmas. I'm sensing though, Mike, that you're not necessarily thinking we need to get on this. We need to bring this into the new series. No, I don't. I can't ever see a time when me and Elvis are going to be bolting carbon fibre wheels to one of our cars. Uh, you know, we've got a car in, in the workshop at the moment, which we can tell you about in a bit. Uh, but that car's like 70 years of age and uh, there's no way that we'd be bolting carbon fiber wheels to that car uh, it, they are coming all these things will is inevitable march towards you know uh, where we're going in terms of you can see bentley already lining themselves up to say the bentayga of the future has to be battery powered yeah therefore that two and a half ton car is now going to be a three and a half ton car so how can we make that three and a half ton car even lighter let's find ways to lighten up that car and wheels is one of them there we go. Hey, listen, we're going to dive into the new series of Wheeler Dealers as soon as we return. You're listening to Driven Chat here on Talk Radio. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Welcome back to Driven Chat here on Talk Radio. I am Andy J. Sat in a very special place with two very special guests. I have a man we are calling Elvis, also known as Mark Priestley, to my left and to my right, our favourite Mr. Mike Brewer. They are the Wheeler Dealers. And Mike, where are we? Uh, we're at our shop and we are so delighted to have the Driven Chat, uh, you, Andy J, <laughs> and Driven Chat down here uh, because I've been desperate to get you here since we moved into our yeah. new home. And me and Elvis have very much made this home uh, since we've moved in here, I'm, I'm desperate to show it off. And, and we weren't allowed, you know, up until sort of the embargo uh, a week ago. Uh, me and Elvis weren't really allowed to talk about what we've been up to. But now we can. And our very first person on the list, and I mean this, Andy J, the very first person on the list wasn't available. So we, <laughs> are, so, so, so we asked you to come down. They were like six people in. <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone's oh. on holiday at the moment, aren't they? It's What's crazy. that show yeah, I do at the end of the week? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to. Elvis won't come to Caffeine and Machine. We'll have to come to him. No, it's definitely always going to be you, Andy J. We've just got to wait to get you down here. It's a it's a burgers ban, isn't it? This is the trouble. Elvis yeah. wouldn't come because of the because of the food they sell. It's like, no, if it's I haven't got quinoa, I'm not into it. No, it's amazing to be here. And of course, we've had we've had two challenges getting here. You know, the first, like you say, is embargoes. And even as, even though we're a radio show, I'm not supposed to see it. It's like a giant NDA. Unless you're on the show, people that don't work in telly don't realize. This. You're not supposed to see it. It's, uh, no, because it spoils the magic. It does spoil the magic. And um, this is a real workshop with real ramp and real tools. And it's a real place. Uh, they actually used to repair uh, bombers from World War II in this building. Uh, so this is a real, real uh, facility. Um, but for us, you know, it, this is this is our home. This is where we have to make the show. This is where we put ourselves. Uh, we put ourselves here deliberately for a reason. Uh, we're just outside of Bicester. So you've got Bicester Heritage just up the road. Uh, and where we've placed the show is we are in arm's reach of fabricators, trimmers, painters, welders. And when you're making a complicated show like Wheeler Dealers, and we're also making Dream Car, yeah. so we're making 30 episodes yeah. in the space of a year. When you've got that much work going on, you need to be able to lean upon other people, other crafts, other trades, and we need to feature them on the programmes. Uh, so that's why me and Elvis had a look around the country, put a pin in the map and said, let's go here. Yeah, I love it. And actually, you say a stone's throw away. You know, I got lost. We're in a, I'm not going to give too much away because otherwise secret you'll have... secret rocket base. You can yeah. give it away. I'll just add. <laughs> no, well, we're it's a secret, a rocket, secret base. rocket testing base from... Well, uh, it's a carryover from World War II. You're supposed, supposed to so get lost. It's You're supposed it's, to get lost. It's, what, it's a secret. Even if you had super fans that could get fast security, etc., they would still get lost. But I also got lost on the estate. And you're so right. I mean, some of the... Because I kept thinking, I spotted lovely cars outside of these kind of factory units thinking oh that'll be them no no that'll be them and it is there's restorers there's shop fitters there's all kinds of things going on around here it's everything we can i think there's a coach builder as there well, is a coach builder yeah. it's everything yeah. we can tap into yeah. is within if it's not on this estate me and elvis only have to cross the road and there's another estate across the road or mr heritage is just up the road or you know we just, we, we can tap into uh, local resources and keeping the show local for us means that we can speed things up and we yeah. can we can make things a little bit more efficient and when we're trying to run uh, 30 shows through the system uh, that's what we need to do it's to make massive. you feel better i still get lost almost every day and i've been here for eight months now this is an absolute <laughs> rabbit warren of different roads and lanes and i still haven't cracked it <laughs> i love it i love it well look let, let's talk about some of the some of the things you had to think about in the planning for the new series because of course in terms of the viewers timeline 
we last left you, Mike. Obviously, we'd seen you guys together with the dream car. But prior to that, we'd last left you in Wheeler Dealers in L.A., basically saying goodbye to Ant. And this has to have a similar language for the viewers to understand, doesn't it? There have to be design cues in in where you are, in terms of your office, et cetera, et cetera. We need to have certain ingredients. So what was it? How did you decide it? Because I realise the location, I get that. But in terms of the, what we're looking at, the scenery, the setting, the essentials, what are the essential ingredients that Wheeler Dealers demanded that you had for this new set and the new series? Uh, well, that's very good because we do have to have somewhere to work on the cars. It's first and, and foremost. We need to have a real functioning, genuine yeah. workshop. And for that, you've got to have a ramp. For a ramp, you've got to have parts washers. Uh, you've got to have toolboxes. You've got to have space. Uh, so we looked far and wide to find the right home that we could put wheeler dealers. Uh, but we also need, knew that I needed an office space that I can work out of. Uh, I needed to be separate, but also be in communication with Elvis. Very much like the studio workshop that was yeah. in America. Yeah, We had the uh, my office in there with a the counter. Uh, we put exactly the same thing in here. Uh, Wheeler Dealers as a show is a very much a formatted show. So it's a, you know, I buy a car, I bring it back to the mechanic, the mechanic repairs it, we test drive at the end, we sell it. It's a formatted show, it's never changed. Uh, but this time round, what we did want to do, me and Elvis, is we wanted to firmly plant it back in the United Kingdom. We wanted to be very British. So if you ever look around the workshop, we've got some iconography that tells us that we're back in Britain. We've got a mini front clip that's hanging on the wall. Uh, we've got chicken shed lights. You wouldn't get these anywhere else other yeah. than in, in England. Uh, we've got an arcade machine stuffed in the corner. Uh, <laughs> Does it work? Because yes, I it saw it straight it, away yes. and I was like, Asteroids is amazing. Is it, on it? Asteroids? It's really Brilliant. <laughs> um, we've got a dartboard, you know, and all <laughs> these things aren't there as props. They're actually things that we bought in that, you know, in between uh, when we were setting up the workshop, um, you know, in comes a dartboard and let's just play darts to talk about what's next and yeah. what cars we should who's, feature. Come on, who's good at the bullseye? Uh, he is. <laughs> is oh, he? Yeah, he's good. He's got, a, he's got that steady hand. The only thing that I didn't have a say in, and it is one thing that I didn't have a oh, say in. Here we go. It's the lights, isn't it? It's the one go, thing yeah. that I didn't have a say in, right? So Elvis <laughs> insisted, quite rightly, Formula One background, uh, that he has a clean corner. So you see one area of the workshop is uh, it's all span. white rock. It's spick and yeah. span. It's yeah. lovely. It's a Formula One little workshop. And then um, Elvis, being Elvis, <laughs> he got his name up in lights. He really has gone for and it as I've well. I've been making this show for 17 years. I think I've been at the forefront of, you know, Discovery <laughs> Language and Television now for over 20 years. And season one, Elvis gets his name up in lights. And I don't even get a name for my desk. I haven't even got a wooden block that says Mike <laughs> or... No. or Boss or anything on it. I got nothing. I got. No, I got. So what I'm trying to say is, I got nothing, Andy. Nothing. Yeah. Andy, do you and know, he got his name up in lights. Have I mentioned that before? But do you know the nice thing is he's over it now. We've been well, here eight months and he's like, not bitter. Like the Murphys, he's not bitter. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's very clear that that. But it does stand out, Mike. You're so right. It's sort of it's jarring. It's in my eye line. You can't get away. You from can't it. get away from it. And every yeah. time a camera's turned on, guess what? His name's up in lights and it's always switched on. And I'm like, can we not have Mike? And as Elvis quite rightly points out, nobody's ever put Mike up in lights. It's always been Elvis. Wow. It's always been in lights, isn't wow. it? So, um, yeah, he, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go on about it anymore. Well, you, I'm, I'm over it now. You're over I'm it. Sure, I'm and, sure he won't go on about it. I'm over it. Uh, but no, we're very proud uh, to, to create the space we got. We wanted... Uh, as I say, you know, Elvis wanted a clean area. We have to, you know, cars are dirty by their demand. Yeah. Uh, you bring him in, Elvis knocks the wheels off, dirt falls on the floor. Uh, but you do need somewhere clean to go and work on the cars. And I think we're, we're, we've made this home. It's yeah. never, I've never felt so comfortable, actually, in a workshop than I have done in this one. Oh, wow. I didn't feel that comfortable in the American workshop. There was a lot more space there, but this feels, this feels much more cosy and cosy. We're sitting in my office, and it feels... Does this not just feel like you're sitting in my office? Yeah, it does, which is why I'm still nervous that you're going to sell me something at the end. Um, of course I am. <laughs> of course I am. I think no. the nice thing was we had almost a blank canvas to play with and it was genuinely Mike and I that had a massive input into what we wanted, what we needed, and that's why it feels like home because we kind of created this and I'm, I'm the same. I'm really happy here. It feels, like it, it feels like it's exactly what we both need but also what we wanted and when you've got that surroundings, you've got a great environment, you produce better stuff, don't you? Well, there's a lovely feel about the place. I mean, the, the, the kind of two things that were very apparent to me immediately is, firstly, it feels great. And secondly, 
you can see visually it's going to look awesome. On it's going to look amazing. Yeah. And you'll see, uh, you know, we haven't forgot our roots, the Wheeler Dealer roots. It's a lovely picture of Ant on my desk. There is. But yeah. behind my desk, hanging on the wall, is a cracking picture of me and, you and Ed, Ed yeah. together. Uh, so we haven't forgotten our roots. We haven't forgotten how far this show's come. You know, the show's come a, a long way in 17 years. It really has. And uh, we can trace it all the way back to that picture up there with me and Ed, the American adventure with Ant and how good that was. And and I gather as we push on with Elvis, and we've got a lot of shows planned, me and Elvis, uh, you're going to start to see this place even morph again. You know, there's going to be a lot of bits that comes off of cars that will be pushed in the corners that will become a landmark or things being hung on walls. And uh, it's very much going to be our home for the foreseeable future. Well, let's talk about, you know, you've, you've mentioned Ed now, you mentioned Ant as well, of course, the two mechanics that preceded you, Elvis. We know that, as I said, you guys have worked together before. This isn't a new relationship, but it is new for the Wheeler Dealers only yeah, viewers. Yeah. And there will be some people that only watch Wheeler Dealers yeah. and that's it. So yeah. how are we introducing Elvis to the crowd? What do we explain about what's gone before? What are we expecting in terms of reception? What, what do we think? And, and what's it like for you, Elvis, kind of stepping well, in? I'll tell you what it's like for me. It's been an absolute roller coaster in in a, an amazing way. I didn't really. I mean, I've always watched Wheeler Dealers. I mean, everyone's seen Wheeler Dealers. It's been yeah. going for forever. Uh, you can't avoid it, as you said earlier. Every channel you seem to flick onto, there's something related to Wheeler Dealers. So I've seen it, obviously. But what I didn't really appreciate was just how big it was. And since I got involved, first of all, a sort of soft introduction through Dream Car, if you like. Now stepping up to the main show. I'm appreciating just how big it is, how much this show means to so many people and how passionate they are about it, you know? And, you know, one hand, one hand that puts a bit of pressure on because you're, you've got big shoes to fill. Both of the guys that have gone before me did excellent jobs. I've both created huge fan bases for the, the show. They've both sort of got cult followings of their well, own as well. Is that fair, Mike? Yeah, that is very fair. Yeah, they've they definitely have, got cult absolutely. followings. And so that, you know, yes, I've got big shoes to fill, but, you know, as Michael always said to me when we first started working together, and he's absolutely right, and that's exactly how I feel. This car really isn't about Mike. It's not about me. It wasn't about Ant or Ed. It's about the cars that are on it. And I think as long as we always stick to that philosophy, and that's why I'm here, I love cars, mm. um, you know, we should be all fine. You know, I've, my passion for cars, I'm sure, is coming through in this show. Uh, and that's essentially what happened with Ant, and it's exactly what happened with Ed too. It's why it's been a success. Did you feel, because one of the things, I'm sure Ant won't mind me saying this, I think one of the things Ant felt, because he was, it's almost easier, if you don't mind me saying it, it's almost easier for you following yeah, yeah. Ant than it was Ant following Ed, yeah, if you see yeah. what I mean, and the location switch and everything. Well, actually, no, you were already in the States, weren't you? But I think Ant sort of felt that he needed to, slap his mechanic credentials on the line straight away you know and we saw that early doors when he was doing the thing on the driveway do you remember he swapped the cambo out or something yes. it was you know he sort of wanted to show the viewers i know what i'm doing have you sort of felt that pressure to kind of prove it or or does the gravitas of f1 just kind of supersede oh that? I would, no i would never i would never be uh, you know as bold as to say that my background should give me enough credentials it, you know I hope people will see that as they watch it I don't feel a pressure to you know I feel confident in my own abilities I've been working on cars well forever that's all I've ever done is work on cars whether it's racing cars or road cars so I feel confident in what I can do and I'm sure that will come through but I don't feel a pressure in that sense I just feel, feel a pressure to uphold the integrity of this show and I think what's going to do that is a my abilities but also my love of cars but also the relationship that mike and i now have which is a, a big part of this show because it would be easy to make a car show which is solely about the mechanical side of things but what i particularly love about wheeler dealers is it's not just that there's a little story to each episode there's the side of mike's you know the literally the wheeling and dealing the buying and selling cars but the bits in between which i think we're doing more of on this particular yeah. se series where we're interacting more and Mike's coming into the workshop to help me or I'm helping Mike maybe find a car every now and again and we're almost crossing over roles. It's a tiny bit, but the interaction is really great because we, we genuinely kind of like each other. Yeah, that <laughs> is clear. I would, I would have said, I would have said love. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, and uh, yeah, the pressure that was on Ants before was monumental because yeah. uh, it was a different country. He's following on from Ed. Ed left with a with a you know under a cloud uh, that it, that was created, and uh, and then you know f the flames were fanned uh, by fans out there. I mean, and Ant, so, Ant was apologising from the start, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so Ant had to come in and own it. He had yeah. to come in and like slap it. That as you say, and my God, did he? He's just in 
brilliant. I mean, the guy really is a master car builder. He doesn't, well, look at the Type 62 too that yeah. he's just launched. Yeah, the latest. That shows you the quality and the level of stuff that Ant can pull together. Uh, but when I was working with Elvis on Dreamcar, I was throwing at Elvis, and it just, it's going to sound really weird, this. I was throwing... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Horse boxes at him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was throwing Pinto engines that had been laid on a garage floor for 20 years. And I was throwing all kinds of crap at him. And I'll be honest with you, there was a little bit of me and the team going, he'd never be able to do that. You know, he's not <laughs> going to be able to do that. That's ridiculous. He's you know, just going to get got... some rubber mats. It'll and be I, fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and we were sort of, you know, almost pinching ourselves going, Flipping hell, this guy really can do, he can do everything we throw at him. And he's not moaned once. He just sort of smiles and gets on with it. So um, when Discovery Channel decided that Wheeler Dealers uh, has a chance to come back to England, and they consulted me over that. Uh, Did they give you a choice then? They give you a like, choice because yeah. Ant's, um, you know, Ant's baby locked in America. He's got a yeah. baby. Ant very much wants... Ed baby locked. He's baby locked. <laughs> Sounds like being egg, ba- egg bound, doesn't <laughs> it? Egg bound, yeah, he's baby locked. And <laughs> Ant very much is still part of the Wheeler Dealer family. You're going to see Ant in the future appearing on episodes here in the UK. And I have no doubt that somewhere in our future, there'll be episodes in America where me and Elvis are popping up in a in a show in America. I have no doubt about Actually, that. Actually, Elvis isn't allowed in America because of a, an incident <laughs> involving a Bacardi and Coke. Coke, yeah, and uh, Michael Schumacher. Yeah, tag goes yeah. off. Germany and America, yes. <laughs> no goes on. Grand Prix. Wouldn't um, risk it. <laughs> but um, no, it, it, so for Elvis, when, he's, when I, they said you can come back to England, I immediately said, well, we... I have to work with Elvis. There's no way it can't not be with Elvis. Yeah. And they, uh, fortunately, our bosses are brilliant. So we've got the most amazing boss who controlled Wheeler Dealers from the very early days. And uh, Victoria said to me, absolutely, we have no, there is no other, you know, thing in our brain either. You know, we want to, we want to put Elvis in the show. So I phoned him up <laughs> and I said, mate, um, I'm in America and I might be coming back to England to carry on Wheeler Dealers. Um, <clears throat> how do you fancy being a mechanic on wheeler dealers and uh, and he went what working with you i said yeah he went yeah all right i'll do it and it was like it was just like giving him a horse box brilliant. it was like yeah all right i'll do it and it was bloody brilliant that he said yeah. he took that attitude towards it and funny enough despite what elvis says about you know i don't need to lean upon my f1 credentials to show my worth on, on wheeler dealers um you, when you see the first episode go out, you're going to see that there's already an instant, instant chemistry between us purely because of our love of cars. It's all about the car. And Elvis is right. As soon as the vehicle appears in front of us, um, we are both in love with each other and the car. And it's that passion that drives the shows on. And you're going to see a level of engineering, craftsmanship, uh, mechanic in from him that we've not seen before on wheeler dealers it's just another way of putting a car together you know ed had his way love this and had his way yeah and now we've got another way and sometimes we're tackling the same jobs that we've tackled before on previous wheeler dealers but there is another way to attack that job because you've got now elvis's way and dare i say he's got all that formula one background behind it and uh you you will see i mean there's a on show one you're gonna see not on show one, sorry, on show three. We've got a Porsche 997 coming up 
Andy J, yes, a Porsche 997. Oh, it's not fair to say this. We've got, and, 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 and it needs... Has it, has it got a buyer yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just keep your credit card in your pocket. Um, it needs... It's got a bore score issue, which is a big issue yeah. for one of these cars. Yeah. And that means that that whole engine has to be so removed from the car. Gen 1, then? Gen 1. Ooh. Engine has to be removed we'll, from we'll the car. that, not the bore scoring, you know. Well, what about, <laughs> if I, what, what about if I had a mechanic capable of enough, not only to remove the engine, but capable enough to uh, re-hone the bores, re-line them, like hone the bores out, sorry, re-line them, um, uh, oversize the pistons, and put a whole engine back together that you can put in a car and literally after... 500 miles on the uh, just running it in, go and thrash the thing for a whole day round Silverstone oh, without a puff of smoke coming out. You clever yours. boy, exactly. Well, did you exactly, say exactly? You clever boy, so and it did have a buyer. Did you say? Or have I sold that car, <sighs> Andy. The car was sold as soon as it hit the tarmac at Silverstone. We had a Bam. crowd of people staring at it, and uh, I was pestered all day to sell it to them. Brilliant. Wait till you see it, it looks amazing. I'm so and that, relieved. And that work, <laughs> and that, yeah, and that work. That work, again, is something that is challenging even for the most hardened mechanic who's been out there, you know, to take an engine out of a 997 yeah. and uh, rebore it. And uh, you know, it's just an incredible amount of work. Uh, but very much like the horse box, Elvis, I'm going to buy this car. It's got a bore score issue. He came with me <laughs> to buy it. And he went, yeah, let's get it back to the shop. I'll get the engine out. And it was as simple as that. It, there's no, There's no drama there's no you know it's all about the car it's all about I think, the car. I think i'd like to think that's maybe what i will bring to this show is that and this will definitely have come from my motorsport background is that you know you can't ever sort of say well we can't do it they're not going to they're not going to delay the race for you if your driver's crashed the car well it's the audience just, are going to be like oh well we'll just go away then you, you've so said you no, can't right, do that so you just it. have to find a way and i think that's always been my attitude so that's you know what we've done on a number of occasions with a number of different cars is if we can't buy the bits because it's an old car and they're not available anymore. We'll, we'll make something or we'll, we'll repurpose something. And that's what I love because that is the ingenuity that motorsport, and certainly F1, is based on. I love that. I tell you what, though, I am thinking there might be an opportunity to have a serious drag race between the three mechanics because clearly <laughs> the one thing I'm expecting is yours are going to go faster than the other two lads, right? I mean, that's well, hold on a minute. You've got a motorized sofa <laughs> <laughs> yes. versus a Type 62 2. Yeah. Yep versus currently a 1955 Land Rover Series 1. I'm still, I'm still back in Elvis. You know, how many other two have won world championships? You know what I mean? That is very true. That is well, very we true. have done a couple of cool things, which, again, you'll see as the show goes out, which will, you know, I think just touch on my F1 background where we've made cars go faster than they should have done. We can done. actually say because it's aired. Oh, of course. So the Mini, many people will have already seen. Mark yeah. 1 Mini, which we, uh, we're pretty sure we've set a new British speed record for unofficial but we're taking it and um, doesn't have to be official to be fun exactly and other cars where you know we've perhaps for a very small budget made them go incredibly quickly way quicker than they should have ever gone without spending very much money and i've loved doing that because like i said it's been thinking outside the box a little bit and just making it work i'll give you a little tip for the next series Carbon fiber wheels. Michael Lovem. Twenty two inch. <laughs> He'll be all over it. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. Go no twenty twenty three inch. Go one one better. <laughs> Make them massive. Come on, tell me which cars are you allowed to reveal? Um, well, actually, we can tell you that coming up in this next series, we have a Mark One Mini eight fifty, a nineteen fifty five uh, Land Rover Series One, a TVR Griffith, a Renault Five GT Turbo, a Toyo. Uh, sorry, a uh, Fiat Coupe. Yeah. 20 valve turbo great car that he makes go 325 brake horsepower it's ridiculous actually beats it's a front wheel drive ferrari that actually beats a ferrari uh, um, we've got an xj6 jaguar that is sublime beautiful uh, jaguar and we top it off with colin and colin is the vehicle that all of us every single one of us totally <laughs> fell in love with from the yeah. very first moment we see colin the hearts every single person that we work with all production can't stop talking about colin colin is our 1963 dormobile camper brilliant oh no it's incredible it's colin here is colin is isn't here at the moment because oh, colin's having his uh, final dress of clothes uh, before <laughs> we reveal him to the world but it is a again it's an elvis masterclass like you won't believe 
because Colin the Camper, have I got enough time? Yeah. Right, Colin the Camper would have started life with a puny little 1.54 banging engine uh, with a three-speed gearbox capable today of going on holiday at 45 miles an hour. So you can imagine leaving here, Bista, yeah. driving to Cornwall at 45 miles an hour. Six <laughs> days later. Six days yeah. later, you'd have to turn around and come back, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And there's your fortnight's holiday. So I said to Elvis, I've got Colin. Colin can't go on holiday because he's missing a gear in the gearbox. He's only got three gears. Uh, so we need a four-speed gearbox. Plus, we need him to stretch his legs a little bit. So Elvis looked at Colin, looked at the size of the engine bay in Colin, and I don't want to kill the show... But I've just alluded to the fact that this young man here, when I reckon I could fit something else in there, and every single person around us, production, engineers, other people went, that won't work. I love it. I'm hoping he's going to be renamed Colin the Cosworth. That it's was almost, actually, not it's off. not far not off, far Andy. Oh, not brilliant. far off Colin the Cosworth. It will be the uh, fastest, most efficient... A 1963 Bedford Dormobile on the planet. Amazing. <laughs> hey, you're listening to a Driven Chat special episode. We are here on the set of the brand new series of Wheeler Dealers, and we'll have more after the break. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Hey, welcome back to Driven Chat here on Talk Radio. I'm Andy J. I'm sat with Mike Brewer and Mark Elvis Priestley. They are the Wheeler Dealers. We are on set at Wheeler Dealers. Elvis, tell us all about it. Well, yeah, great to have you here, Andy. And uh, yeah, you're right. You are on the brand new set, really. It's not quite brand new to us, but to viewers, this will be the brand new home of Wheeler Dealers. It's my workshop and Mike's office where we're sat right now. The show's come back to the UK. We are over the moon about it. I'm thrilled to be joining and uh, it's great to have you here talking all about it. Love it. Love it. Now, in this part of the show, regular listeners know that we like to ask Mike questions. And Mike, last week... You, myself and John Markar started something that we promised we'd continue and finish. Elvis is new to this. I know you're a regular listener, Elvis, but <laughs> I also know that you would have been waylaid last week. So here's what we did. Mike, we, we decided to talk about ultimate car mashups that haven't happened yet. <laughs> Things that okay. we think would be incredible. For example, Skoda linking up with Lotus. A SCOTUS, oh, yeah, okay, yes. and a SCOTUS, and what would that be? What oh would that look like? Okay. You see what I mean? Or a Lota. <laughs> uh, so we, because we got to think we, this, it was a very strange trajectory that took us here, but it kind of we, we went down the wormhole. Well, it come, it, the wormhole came from uh, a Citroen SM, the Citroen Maserati. Yeah. That's where the wormhole come from. Two companies that should never have got together. Both making awful cars at the time when that car was yeah, yeah. manufactured, Citroen and Maserati. Yet somehow they created something special and beautiful that's yeah. uh, still spoken about today. So, so Mike's had a week to think about this. So you, I haven't. You, we're going to give you really some good because time. I haven't even thought about <laughs> it. He forgot. Basically, he forgot. He ba he did. Forget, <laughs> yeah, but Citroen, if you would have said the words Citroen Maserati, that's kind of a. It's so weird, isn't it? It's a dichotomy yeah. between those two companies. It's incredible. A Maseritron. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at taking two brands and mixing them together. It's good. You've got to have one skill in life, right? Your skill is brilliant. It's a brilliant skill. Let me throw one at you, Andy. Bentley, uh, Bentley and um, Maserati. A Bentlerati. <laughs> See, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's good, Bentlerati. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that could, be, uh, that could be mafia, couldn't it? Maserati. You've got to go and talk to the Bentlerati. Yes, Maserati. It's a good rently. <laughs> That's two families you want to get together. Anyway, we're talking about words here, but we're thinking about brands actually merging because, okay. you know, for example, it's it's in real life version. It's Aston Martin twinning with uh, Mercedes, isn't yes. it? AMG to provide a different interior system yeah. or certain help with the engines, etc. What do you think would be a mashup that hasn't happened, Mark? That that we could. Sorry, I've got to call you Elvis. You I keep calling you Mark. Properly now. put me on the spot. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have put you on the spot. I mean, I, oh God, I don't know. I would like to see, I mean, look, I'm a huge fan of the VW Beetle, right? I think just in terms of its styling, I think it's epic, but... It's old school or old new school? school? Oh, old no, no, school. Well, we're definitely old school. You know, it's my first ever car, VW Beetle. So I'd love to see someone take that shape or that styling. And I know they've tried to bring it into the modern era, but I think com combine that with something luxury like a, you know, like Rolls-Royce combining with a VW Beetle. So you have the old school styling with the absolute luxury of something well, you, so are you like thinking a roller. Exterior, it looks like a Beetle. Yeah. But interior, interior it's got the it's diamonds like on the roof. Five-star hotel room. What would it be called then, mate? 
Ha, huh, okay, so a beetle with a... Well, which, which roller in particular? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking more just taking the Rolls-Royce luxury, so uh, okay. like a, a retail. <laughs> a retail is an interesting a one. Retal. I would like just an illness. You get a cream for, doesn't it? You could oh, just my retals are playing. <laughs> You'll have to have them lanced, I'm afraid. Elvis can do that too. <laughs> He's got very steady hands. I mean, you could have. I would just have the Beetle, the RR edition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you nice. Know, something yeah, really nice. premium because it's, if it's luxury, it's got to have that. A retal is not cutting the mustard. You know, You're not having very, no, it doesn't sound very luxury, well. Does it? I'd like a retal, please. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. But the RR edition beetle would be yeah, nice, sweet, yeah. be quite nice. Charge an absolute fortune for it. Well, I mean, a, a beetle these days is an absolute fortune anyway, isn't yeah, it? True, so to, yeah. to make it even posher, yeah, or a, or a camper in the same way. Thing is, you'd need you'd need to make sure if you were going for an original beetle. Mike, back me up on this. There's a certain year of beetle that has crotch coolers. Yes, early nineteen <laughs> uh, mid uh, mid to late nineteen fifty crotch caller. Yeah, particularly hot period of yes. uh, history was it? Yes. But particularly hot <laughs> in the groinal area. No, seriously, they do crotch have callers. they have yeah, these little, little hatches, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Where, which just blow exterior air onto Details. your. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yep. Which I, I find. Why did that die out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you tell me from an aero perspective. Is that <laughs> slowing things down? Because for most men, the air is travelling in the wrong direction. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, slightly <laughs> off on a tangent. Uh, friends of mine had. Um, well, let's just say when I was a kid, two friends of mine got up to no good in the back seat of a Beetle, dislodged the back seat, shorted out the battery, and the car caught fire. Oh, nice. Now that. Um, Please, please tell me this that was like an, a maiden experience. I mean, it's, there are so many cliches yes, to that. I wonder but, if that's uh, how the song came about. <laughs> it happened. Oh, wow. And was, was that a, an early amorous moment for them? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inexperience. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't. They didn't get married. No, no, they uh, were slightly singed, actually. <laughs> They're firefighters now. In all the wrong places. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's a baptism of fire, <laughs> isn't it? Quickly ask it me wasn't, what my it wasn't what I was expecting. Mike, Mike, <laughs> I'm guessing you're going to go for an, an alpha with actually, something. No, I, I was thinking a bit more practical. I was thinking, you know, some of the good collaborations that we've forgotten in the past okay. that were really successful. Remember when Vauxhall... Uh, used to team up with Lotus and they had the yeah. little spider, little Vauxhall <laughs> yeah. VX, VX220, remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was thinking... Was it, if that wasn't it, a great car, Mike. Well, it was a rebadged Lotus, but yeah. it was <laughs> it wasn't still a, a good car, the VX220. Right. Yeah, well, I don't know. It wasn't... Yeah, it was good. <laughs> did right, you, so did you buy one? What I'm trying to do... Did you, I'm, did you personally I'm, buy no, one? I no, I didn't. No, I didn't sell. <laughs> and you've bought, what, like 300 cars? Yes. You didn't buy one of them? No. No. There you go. Right, okay. Good point, well made. But what I'm thinking of, if we could take the luxury of a supercar, yeah. but we could make it so the everyman can experience a supercar, okay. I would take McLaren All right. and team it with Vauxhall and have mm. a, um, a... You can come up with the name. McVauxhall. <laughs> you can come up with a name, but I would take something like McLaren, team it up with Vauxhall so we can have an everyman supercar. So Vauxhall, it'd be a, you know, a three-cylinder turbo supercar but in all the style in mclaren and i've often said right you think about this and maybe mr engineer over here can agree with me with this if you think of a, a as a of a car yeah like the ingredients of a cake yeah okay so you've got uh metal glass rubber uh carbon you, fiber wheels carbon fiber wheels you've yep. got all that stuff you throw it in a bowl you mix it up and pom out pops a car so you get a mclaren 720s yes right right the same ingredients are in a Lada Riva. They're the same ingredients. Yeah. They are exactly the same ingredients, probably even the same weight. It's just that they, they got baked differently. Yes. So why it. can't manufacturers take those ingredients, like a beautiful McLaren 720S, and make a Vauxhall like a 720S? There's no reason in the world they can't. It just comes down to, you know, mixing the ingredients differently. Do you know what? You're so right. Do you agree with that? Well, I do. And I, I've, all, I've particularly thought that about styling. Why do budget cars often look, look rubbish? Budget cars because yeah. it's just a case of someone sketchy in a different way on a on the drawing board. Yeah, it must be about machining it though, surely. Well, there's there's obviously that in terms of some costing, but yeah. I still think we could do better with some budget cars. I agree. In terms of the way they there look. You go. It's the hang on. It's is the, the is the cake. everyday supercar though? Assuming we're presumably going to target a, a yes. much lower budget, is it not going to end up looking like a you know one of those fifty cc motorbikes that's got fairings on it to look like a sports bike? 
Possibly. Yeah, it could Possibly. be all show and no poke. It could be. But, you know, back what happened to the days when we did have the likes of Vauxhall, when they had their uh, Calibra, and that was a coupe. We had Peugeot uh, with the 406. That was a coupe. Sort of, you know, mirrored the lines of, a, say, a Ferrari, yeah. uh, the Peugeot. And you could argue that, um, you know, a car like the, the whatchamacallit, the Vauxhall Calibra, mirrored the lines of a, of a supercar in some way. Yeah. But we seem to have moved away from yeah. that. You know, these manufacturers, these budget manufacturers, aren't looking at design in the same way that they should be looking at design to bring in that audience that would love to one day hope and aspire to own a supercar, but they're never going to afford it. So why not give them a budget supercar? There you go. Do yeah. you think, Mike, that it's a psychological thing? Like I hear, I hear what Elvis is saying about the styling and, and so on. And, and but is there part of it? Because we obviously we and the listeners to this show are car fans, so we're on a we're sweet sitting a different kind of planet to, to, to Joe public, as it were. We know that a lot of people don't actually care what they're driving; they just want it to start. And not to cost a fortune to fuel it up and to have enough space for the luggage in the family and whatever. They don't really mind about the exteriors or yeah. how it feels or anything else. And that's fine. Those people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes, yes, they are. But nonetheless, <laughs> there are a lot of them. And I wonder if part of it is the psychology, which is as they go in to get their car, if there's a car that's an affordable supercar, it doesn't look like one because it still looks like a supercar. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Whereas a budget car that looks like a budget car, that's not frightening. I I can buy one of those because it's... Yeah, but there's plenty of manufacturers out there making budget cars for people that don't like cars. They just have to get from A to B. And that's always going to be serviced. I'm saying, what I'm saying, with this mashup of names... It's a really good thought process that we should be able to convince, uh, especially now with the advent of battery technology, we can make even budget cars go like rapid, you know, vehicles, can't we? We can make them do 0 to 60 in two or three seconds. Mm. Uh, and they can do that on with, with styling and with battery technology. They're all going to do it anyway. All the cars are going to be made of batteries uh, anyway, all the yeah. engines in the future. So why not? Why do they have to be free box saloons? Why do they have to be SUVs? Why do they have to look like that? Why can't these budget cars look more like a McLaren 720S? Fair enough. That makes sense to me. I have a question for you about while we're talking about electrification. Because last week on the show, we had Robert Llewellyn, who, as we know, yes. is, is the prince Brilliant. of Brilliant EVs. Brilliant interview. Brilliant. It's a really interesting yeah. guy. Really amazing. And, and prior to that, we'd had Quentin Wilson on. And he was in staunch defence of the EVs as well, but he was sort of saying, just wait for the negative publicity to come through. He thinks there's a sort of nefarious wave of anti-EV movement on the way. But one of the things that I was really interested to hear Robert admit is that the infrastructure is not there for long journeys. And actually, I've noticed quite a lot of journalists that aren't car journalists, that actually don't know anything about cars, are now starting to get that. All these people that were telling us, oh yeah, EVs, you've got to go EVs, they're the future, they're the future, they're the future, because the government said so is absolutely right. And it looks like suddenly there's been an awakening in the UK realisation of actually we are nowhere near well, ready. Miles, my, I mean, we're not miles behind, we're decades behind. I mean, yeah. you, you can't, this government saying that we're going to take uh, petrol, diesel cars or new car sales uh, 2030, so that's nine years from now. There's no infrastructure at all. I mean, no. I, I've got an electric car and I struggled to find a, a, a charging station that's operating, that's working. Uh, the one at my local supermarket, the only fast charger in my town, it's never worked since I've had my car. Never. Yeah, I, I recently set out to make a, a video about the uh, the iPace, Jaguar iPace, yeah. on my YouTube channel. They gave me a car, amazing car, loved it. So many great things about the car. The video ended up being about the terrible infrastructure because I set out on a journey and the journey was dominated by charges that weren't working yeah. or that were, you know, that were not available, uh, you know, and it, it ruined the experience. I had me. exactly the same experience in exactly the same car. Yeah. You know, it's 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 great if you get given a fully charged car with a full juiced up vehicle and you don't need to go any further than those miles allow. Well, I would say that for most people, of course, you're you're waking up every morning with essentially like a full tank. And for most people, you won't stretch beyond that full tank in a day. Well, do you know what, though? Everyone says that, you know, they, they point to all these the block of flats. Well, yeah, well, but, the, but the they also they point yeah. to all these studies, which is the average UK resident does less than 31 miles a day or whatever. But I keep running into loads and loads and loads of people that are doing hundreds of miles. And it's simply not, 
doesn't well, work. It's, 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 not, not, yeah. it's not the answer for everybody. It's not the total solution, is it? No matter how far into the future you look, it's never going to be the total solution. And that's where I think the future of motoring is still in this massive unknown. I mean, I know electrification, everyone's chucking in, uh, you know, a huge amount of time and investment into it. But I think it's there's got to be another alternative. And it may be a bit of a, a sort of Betamax and VHS type scenario where some point mini disc someone has a breakthrough with whether it's hydrogen or some other kind of ecological fuel it actually might be that all the investment that goes into electric vehicles right now might actually fall by the wayside at some point i think you might be right i mean what's what's your hunch you're going to put you both on the spot then we'll finish with a wheeler dealer bang you've said nine years we have to make this change because the government has said it do you think they might actually look at the reality inside of that time and go do you know what we aren't ready so don't worry well, you, it, so. it, 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 sorry, mate. It is this government, remember. Yeah. It, it, not to say that this government will be in power in four years' time. This government might be out of power and there could be a completely different philosophy from the next government. But it's also um, not just this country. I mean, every country around the world is starting to make similar plans. And, and all right, some other countries have a much better network or infrastructure than we do. But the reality is it's still in those countries that network isn't going to, like you just mentioned, people who live in a high-rise block of flats, where do they charge their car? They don't have a driveway. It's just, you know, there are there are so many challenges. I hope we can find solutions. But my, my kind of bet is that at some point, and there's a huge amount of time and effort going into this right now, there'll be some kind of eco-fuel, uh, or it could even be hydrogen, that someone finds a way of maybe hydrogen combustion. It might be a way that we can accelerate that development, and actually that might tap into the existing network we can just fill up cars up with hydrogen at the existing fuel stations that are already there um and if that can be made to work safely and cost effectively that seems on paper to be a better all-round solution because everyone who currently owns a car could effectively run off of that uh, fuel yes. source so could the hydrogen fuel cell car just be hydrogen engine charging the batteries up well Fuel cells are one thing, but actually hydrogen combustion, where you run a, a similar engine to the ones we all use now, but using hydrogen as a fuel source, we're not quite, you know, it does happen, but it's not on a scale yet. But that, that's a big area of research. And if that can happen, you could effectively pull into an existing petrol station in the same way you fill up with petrol, you just recharge or fill up with hydrogen and off you go again. And that seems to be that, you know, we've got so much tied up in the existing infrastructure. I mean, what do we do with all the petrol stations? Mm. Are you just going to knock them down? And what about all the old cars? And if we do ban old cars, you've got a whole network that's essentially gone to waste. Yeah, well, there's, uh, was it uh, 19.3 billion pounds are generated each year by the classic car uh, community, 7.3 billion of which is yeah. contributed to the GDP of this country, of which 113,000 people are employed. Well... <laughs> so get, yeah what's gonna happen to them quite and i get the sense and i'm saying this in a very good way that we're now not going to see every single car on wheeler dealers is an ev conversion <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll take the engine out and not give yet. it some batteries yeah, very firmly celebrating fossil fuels at the moment <laughs> <laughs> just uh, give me one last plug guys when where how well, Discovery Plus, you can stream the brand new shows from right now. So you can do that today. And on the Discovery Channel, uh, every Monday, 9pm, you'll see the brand new series. Have it. Excited, Mike? I, do you know what? I've never been more excited about the launch of a new series than I am right now. I think this is going to be a, a groundbreaking series. It's great to be back in England. It's great to be amongst my friends. And, uh, and I'm so excited for the audience to see what Elvis can do. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Thank you so much, guys. What a pleasure it's been. You've been listening to a Driven Chat special from the Wheeler Dealers. Yeah! We're back, same time, same place, Sunday night, 7 o'clock here on Talk Radio. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Now, if you're one of these amazing people that gets to the end of podcasts, then do you know what? You're my favourite. You, personally, are my favourite person. Thank you so much for listening to this week's bonus episode. Now, before I go, I promised you some parish notes, and here they are. We are working on episode three of our Listeners' Letters podcast. I said that with such confidence. I think we've done two previously, so this would be our third. I am almost certain of that. Chances are... You, the listener, may know more. However, if you have a story that you would like us to read out, or if you have a story that you just think other people would love to hear, then please do send it in. It could be a happy story. It could be a funny story. It could be a moaning about some sort of archaic ruling of the road network, wherever you live in the world. 
if you've got something that you want us to hear about, that you want us to react to, or if you just have any general questions at all about us, about the podcast, about what we do, about our jobs, about anything, fire them in. The email address, we've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. It's podcast at drivenchat.com. That's podcast at drivenchat.com. We would love to get your emails, your questions, your stories, anything that you want to send in. And also, if you specifically have a question for Mike Brewer that you would like answered on our radio show, you can send it through to the same email address because ultimately they're going through to the same account. However, we do have another email address which is dedicated for our radio show, and that is hello at drivenchat.com. That's hello at drivenchat.com. And if you have a question specifically for Mike Brewer to answer on our radio show, a question that will be answered to tens of thousands of listeners on a Sunday evening from 7 p.m., then fire it over to that email address and we will read it out. It's as simple as that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Thank you so much for your kind comments, your kind shares, your your uh, inevitable text message you're about to send to your best friend to say, hey, have you heard the latest episode of the Driven Chat podcast yet? If not, it's great. You should listen to it. It's great. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for doing that because we really appreciate it. We will speak to you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye